Welcome back to the Pre-Construction Podcast. Today, we will hear from the architectural side of our now famous three-legged stool. Our guest is Jeremy Rowe, the principal of RAD, which stands for Ragona Architecture and Design, and they are based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today was all about getting a better understanding of how construction technology, and in particular, the BIM model, is changing the architectural scene. Also, what methodologies are becoming popular and why design and build is so agile when it comes to cost and speed of delivery. Before we speak with Jeremy, let's hear from our main sponsors. First up, it's Stuart Carroll, the president of Beck Technology. That's followed by Scott McBurney of the Advancing Pre-Construction Conference. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Carroll. I'm the president at Beck Technology. We are based in Dallas, Texas, and we are a pre-construction software company. We were founded in 1996, and we've really been focused on the world of pre-construction. We believe that pre-construction is where the biggest decisions that impact the outcome of a project occur. And we believe that through the use of technology, we can enable our users to make better, more informed pre-construction decisions. The net result of which is to make the world a better place. We're excited to uh, announce our partnership with Niche. And one of the things that really excites me is bringing pre-construction professionals the opportunity to get certified in our latest uh, product, Destiny Estimator. It's our belief that if we can help you understand how integrated pre-construction and pre-construction data lifecycle can benefit your business, um, it will ultimately improve the pre-construction services that you bring to your customers. And we'd like to uh, announce that we're going to be releasing this at the end of Q1, and it's available to anybody that's a friend of Niche. Do you want to win more bids? Advancing Pre-Construction is the largest gathering of pre-con estimating and design management leaders in the USA. You'll learn how to do conceptual estimating, forecast costs, and get bids done quicker than ever before. Join hundreds of contractors, designers, and clients in Las Vegas this November. Search for Advancing Pre-Construction online and use the discount code PODCAST to get 10% off your booking. A virtual attendance option is available. Discover more on our website. Get bids done. Win work. Search for advancing pre-construction. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome to the Pre-Construction Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. For our listeners and our audience here, Today we have Jeremy Rowe, Principal at Ragona Architecture and Design, most commonly known as RAD in Charlotte. So Jeremy, uh, tell me a little bit about RAD and about uh, your architecture firm in, in Charlotte. Yeah, so uh, RAD is actually, um, so we, we were started in uh, 2015 uh, here in Charlotte, but it used to be a firm called uh, DMR Architects. So I think a lot of people in Charlotte are familiar with that uh, firm. Uh, they were around for about 30 plus years, uh, doing a lot of um, mainly uh, focused in retail. Uh, so one of the major uh, projects here in town that everyone would know about is the Epicenter, the uh, 
owner of this firm is actually the architect of record for the epicenter in Uptown Charlotte. Uh, so pretty uh, a large uh, retail mixed use, uh, complicated building that's downtown that everyone has at least probably gone to once or twice. Um, but in 2015, uh, the principals there at DMR uh, started to uh, retire and um, Matt Ragona, the owner here, uh, went ahead and bought the firm and uh, rebranded it to Ragona Architecture and Design. And uh, our acronym is RAD. Uh, so we, uh, we go by RAD Architecture a lot. Um, and so one of the lessons learned from both of our backgrounds, uh, you know, uh, I come from a background where we mainly did uh, university work and then he came from a background where it was mainly uh, in retail. Uh, we decided to really diversify our portfolio and the projects that we're going to go after. So RAD does a little bit of everything. Um, we're mainly doing, of course, we keep on doing retail and mixed use. Uh, we do office, hospitality, restaurants, wellness, um, you know, automotive and even residential. So uh, there isn't really a project that we're, we're going to turn down. Uh, we're we're kind of doing a little bit of everything and, and that's really helped us uh, you know, keep moving through, especially during these times. Um, we also implemented another uh, part of our um, firm where we do specialized architectural services, which is mainly getting into the BIM uh, coordination and uh, working with general contractors and subcontractors, helping them with their uh, virtual design and construction. Brilliant. Yeah, because that I mean that's a that's a huge market right now. That's that's on the the, the lips of everyone. Um, talk to me about BIM and VDC. How important has it been, and how how important will it become within architecture and design? Because we're talking about models. We're talking about architects pumping out models with so much detail. Um, is that what you're seeing right now? Is that what clients are looking for right now? Is that what the GCs are looking for right now? And what do you expect in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so um, for us on the architectural side, I mean, we're, we're all about the building information modeling. Uh, everything we do here at RAD is, you know, everything is in 3D. It doesn't matter what project we're working on. Um, it just helps not only us uh, visualize the project and understand uh, what we're doing. Um, it always helps the client. Uh, you know, there's only so much information you can imagine from a 2D drawing. So being able to show the model to clients and have interactive meetings with them to, uh, you know, actually be inside the model. And, you know, if they don't like something while we're in the meeting, we can move doors or move walls and windows and let them visualize it in, in an interactive way. And, um, you know, so from a client standpoint, they're, they're more and more expecting to see this visualization service. Um, on the GC side, you know, we're uh, oftentimes giving our model over, you know, at the end of our construction documents. When a GC is selected, we're giving them our 3D model so that they can um, also facilitate their shop drawings and everything else that they need to do, but it helps them visualize. They can put it into their software to, um, you know, get into their virtual design and construction, you know, whatever aspect that is for them. Um, during construction, there's always some kind of detail somewhere that nobody can visualize or see and it's real quick to just go into the model and and talk about it and discuss so um, that's where we're kind of at at the moment you know with uh, with that technology for us in the office building information modeling is all about being efficient um, yeah. you know I, I come from you know my background goes all the way back to hand drafting uh, doing CAD and then now 3d modeling and 
you know, I can't tell you how many hours I wasted trimming and extending lines. <laughs> and I should be really thinking about the design of the project and, um, you know, talking about design options. Um, so that's really been the, the best thing that I've seen in, in, in our side. Um, uh, as far as like um, where it's going in the future, um, you know, I would say, I don't know, in the next five to 10 years, I'm, I'm really excited about how uh, all of this technology is eventually um, connecting to, uh, you know, other technology that's like robots, you know, like drones. And, you know, there's a lot of experiments out there where they're getting robots out there to try to transfer the information from a digital uh, model and then have it automatically build a wall or something, you know. Yeah. I know that's a long time, you know, out there that that's, you know, really going to uh, really come into mainstream. But things like augmented reality where, you know, we can just, uh, you, you know, you can hold up your device and kind of visualize what is actually going to look like on the land, you know, your actual model uh, being built in real life. Um, yeah. so there's a lot of possibilities that are out there that I see coming. Good. Yeah. If you, if you get a chance, we did a, a great podcast with a, a lady called Noni Pittinger and she did digital fabrication um, yeah. using ro robotics and uh -huh. fascinating. Now I have to say when you're listening to it, it was going, a lot of it was going over my head, but she was fantastic. They did a, a, a project, uh, I think it was a, it was a theater, an Alliance theater in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and they digitally fabricated the whole, uh, it, it was almost like, it was almost the whole interiors, but it was all done with wood, and it's a fascinating story, and it, 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 she, she gives a real insight into it now, and it's, it's happening. I know it's kind of a little bit further down the line to becoming a, a, a norm, but it definitely is happening, and, and it's great to see, because even if I bring it back to that, that whole the, the BIM, one of the key things with the, the three-legged stool, as we call it, is the client, the architect, and the construction manager, or the general contractor, the collaboration and the communication, has BIM improved that? And how do you see that improving? Because to me, and speaking with the, the GCs quite a lot and, and the owners, that is the key for everyone. Getting collaboration, getting not live, but real real time information across to each, each person as quickly as possible. Yeah, so, um, you know, when, when it's all together and we're all in that one model, you know, the uh, general contractors usually have a, a, their Navisworks model or whatever platform they're using that uh, the architect is uploading their model to the, uh, all the subcontractors, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of the projects that we've been involved with with our specialized services is that even the subcontractors that are going into the project also have to provide their shop drawings as a 3D model. And uh, they're working out all the clashes and all the uh, issues ahead of time in the virtual world before it's actually getting installed. Um, so the owner can peek in and see uh, exactly what's going on, uh, what the problems are, what the issues might be. And uh, everybody's working together on one platform to kind of figure it out before it's actually being built. And everyone's in the field, you know, scratching their heads, uh, trying to figure out what happened. Um, the one thing I will say is that all this technology is great uh, with that three-legged stool, but um, in the end, the person that's actually installing everything that's in the field, they also have to have the technology because I've, I've been in, uh, involved in some projects where we do all of this virtual design and construction, and in the end, uh, the guy that's laying out the uh, mechanical ductwork, not to pick on him, but 
uh, <laughs> he, he didn't really follow what uh, was in the virtual design plan and just started installing, you know, kind of like how he was used to doing it. And then all of that work that we went into, you know, trying to do all the coordination uh, just doesn't work anymore because now, you know, he put it in the wrong place. So, of course, he had to go back and fix it. But, um, you know, those are the kind of things that I see that eventually in the field, you know, everyone, everyone who's in the field has to also be part of that technology and, and have yeah. means to figure out how to lay it out. And it's amazing, Jeremy, because we always talk about the general contractor getting involved at the early, sta early stages of design with the architect. But now it's literally come to a stage where the subcontractor is now getting involved at that stage as well. So it really is a team effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and that's actually where we come in uh, with our specialized services is we found that, you know, more and more of the subcontractors are being obviously asked to provide this level of detail in 3D models. And, you know, uh, these guys that have been out there, you know, for 30 years doing this on a daily basis, um, they don't really have that kind of expertise to model what they're actually installing. So um, we just come in, we take over that part of the project for them and then give them shop drawings that say, this is everything that we've coordinated in the virtual design world. And this is what you need to install and uh, it should all work out. And um, they've come back to us and said, you know, that process, um, you know, it works out really well for them because they're, they're not having to have a lot of issues where, you know, they got to work it out themselves in the field. It, it's already worked out. They have a level of efficiency and um, they're able to install things at a quicker pace. And I think that's what you're seeing in the construction industry is um, I think buildings in general um, perhaps are being constructed quicker that are using these, um, uh, you know, kind of the latest and greatest technology for uh, figuring all this stuff out in the VDC world. Right, team. I totally agree with you. And obviously, the speed and cost are the two big things. Um, and when it comes to cost, especially the general contractor, the guys that you really collaborate with early on and, and maybe do a design build project with, um, how much does it affect the cost and how much of a saving does it get the client? Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know specific numbers, uh, but I, I've heard that because of the you know, anytime you can shave off time off of a construction schedule, you're saving money. Um, so the obviously the quicker you can do it, the the um, you know the less the overhead and the costs and the general conditions are going to be for a project. Um, I worked with a on a university project uh, probably back in 2008 where we did design build, uh, and we had the contractor in at the very early age um, or part of the project, and uh, we were doing. Uh, kind of bid packages based off of our BIM model. We were still designing, but we were issuing a foundation package and they were building it. And then we were doing the core and shell and they were building it. You know, it was kind of like this uh, integrated process that way. And we were able to build a, um, uh, I was trying to think of the square footage, but like an 80,000 square foot laboratory building for Colorado State University within a year. And wow. our design time was also within, within that construction time. So. Um, you know, that, that's just kind of the, the speed where you're not having to wait for the designer to finish, you know, work on it for a year and then <laughs> take it over to the contractor and they work on it for a year. So, you know, that kind of timeline just kind of meshes together. And I think that that helps the get the client to get their building done quicker and then they can start operations and start making whatever money they are off of the project. 
Do you see? Do you see that becoming more popular, Jeremy? Because I, I, I have I've, I've talked to Daryl Torres again on the podcast, who's over in Clark on the West Coast, and he used a similar kind of. It's almost design as you build or design as you go. Yeah. Um, it, 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 how time consuming is it? I mean, it sounds as if you, you need to be really engaged on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I see that mainly happening as really for like a lot of the really large scale projects that I, I see that happening a lot. <clears throat> and we're actually involved again with those subcontractors in projects that are similar to that. Um, <clears throat> but I guess what I, what I see is, um, or how that process usually worked was on a weekly basis for us during the design phase, we were uploading models every Friday to the GCs, you know, either it was a BIM 360 or a BIM track or whatever uh, software platform. But every Friday we're uploading our model and they're, they're doing their part, taking, doing takeoffs and looking at the model as well. And, um, you know, kind of going from there on a weekly basis. So on a de design side, it was a weekly thing. Um, once you get into construction, I mean, you could be meeting two times a week. Um, yeah. Going over all those uh, type of components. Yeah, and I can imagine. I'm just putting myself in the in the estimator shoes and the general contractor <laughs> every Friday, looking at the screen through through my fingers, going, "What's <laughs> what's changed? What's changed now? Where's the estimates coming out of?" But I, I mean, as long as there's some sort of conceptual estimate at the very conceptual estimate at the very beginning, I wouldn't imagine it changes too much. Yeah. So normally, what happens is um, a a GC if they're uh, started at the very beginning. Uh, they would have a, they would do like a uh, estimate that would be a general uh, maximum not to exceed price, like a GMP. Yeah. And uh, everything that changes plus or minus is constantly, uh, you know, as we develop the model or the design, you know, if we start to uh, accelerate our cost, obviously they got to, they start to tell us early on what we need to start cutting back on. And that also does save the time where at the end of the project, you're not trying to cut out you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in something that you, you know, maybe the design creep kind of uh, went up and above and beyond. Um, you know, those are the kind of things we, we typically saw throughout that process. Good, brilliant. Um, and we, we, we touched on it prior to, to recording here, but the design and build, um, that seems to be, you were mentioning the risk on the general contractor side. Um, they, they do like to get involved early on. What methodology are you seeing as the most popular for, for your firm? Yeah, so, um, you know, there have been cases where we've actually done design build, uh, like I've mentioned, uh, but more and more we're starting to see that the general contractors, at least in our area, are kind of shying away from design build because of the liability that's involved with that, because basically they're taking on all the risk of the design team under their belt, and uh, they would you know, I think in, in all aspects, people want to kind of keep those liabilities kind of separate. Uh, so we are seeing a lot more of what you've probably heard is the IDP process or the integrated design process where GCs are coming on board from the very beginning and being part of that uh, process. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're again just working all in the, that three-legged stool instead of um, all under their belt. Brilliant, yeah. It wouldn't be like the GCs to want to get involved early and uh, not take any risk, would it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it exactly. Well, they, they can't have you can't have your cake and eat it. Um, but yeah. and then give us an idea of Charlotte at the moment. Um, 
I mean, I was there, I think I mentioned to you, I was there for last year for about five weeks and there was cranes everywhere. It was, it was booming. Obviously, COVID, we're right in the middle of COVID. How do you see the outlook post-COVID? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, you were here uh, about a year ago. We had probably like eight cranes, you know, just in uptown all over the place and uh, moving down some of the corridors, you know, that come into Charlotte, you know, they're really starting to develop quite a bit. <clears throat> um, during COVID uh, right now, um, you know, there were a lot of projects that were already under construction. So those are continuing. So there, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, especially multifamily, uh, just everywhere, I guess we're getting a lot of influx of people moving to Charlotte. So uh, there's definitely a lot of multifamily that's still under construction on a daily basis, road closures everywhere. Um, Post COVID, uh, you know, it's hard to tell, uh, but there's, uh, you know, at least in our, our firm and what I'm hearing around town is projects are still in the design phase. Um, you know, we're still working on uh, projects that are, you know, slated to be uh, constructed in the near future. Um, some clients have, you know, maybe slowed down a bit on their urgency of when they want the project, you know, done, uh, but we're still working on them. So, you know, I, I see that there might be a little bit of a slowdown, you know, um, as we move into maybe the spring. Uh, but the projects are still going to be um, constructed and and who knows, you know, if, uh, you know, all goes well and everything clears up with COVID, you know, I think there'll just be a big boom where everyone just yeah. takes everything off the shelf and starts to building. Be, crazy. To be honest with you, Jeremy, that's what I'm fearful of. Um, the real, the backlog will just be pushed, pushed, pushed. Um, I mean, there's talk of clients just kind of waiting it out to, to, to hopefully the, the subcontractors get dropped their prices a little bit and then there'll be a massive explosion. But I just hope that that doesn't happen because the lack of resources that were there pre-COVID are just going to be exaggerated. Oh yeah, and and you're you're seeing that with material costs. You know, here I, I don't know about the rest of the country, but here in Charlotte, our lumber prices are just you know going up like crazy just because of you know production and uh, also you know a lot of people were buying out that material. Um, you know, at least with a lot of the multifamily that's going around here. Yeah, that's right. That's what I've got. And give us an idea, because a lot of our listeners, are, they're based all over the US, but we do relocate a lot of people to the Charlotte area and the Southeast in general. Give us an idea away from kind of work. What's it like in Charlotte? Uh, yeah, I mean, just in general, like uh, yeah. kind of living here. Yeah. Th things to do, living there, um, maybe bringing a young family to there. Because I couldn't believe last year, I, I lived in a place called Perth, Australia, so Western Australia, for two years back in 2012. And I couldn't believe the amount of kind of 20-year-olds to 40-year-olds that were in the area. But I got the same feeling when I went to Charlotte. It just, it was a huge, and I think at that time, so it was uh, mid-year last year, there was like 50 or 60 people a day moving to Charlotte. Like it oh, yeah. was that sort of influx. Um, what what is there to do in Charlotte? How cool is it? I mean, I loved it personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just uh, outside of business, uh, you know, the the city is just growing like uh, crazy. Um, I don't know what the, um, you know, where we stand in the fastest growing cities, you know, in the United States, but I know at one time we were, you know, somewhere in the top 10. Um, but, you know, with all the people that and activity that is just, you know, here in the city, um, the one thing that is really great is the location of Charlotte. We're literally like, you know, maybe an hour and a half to two hours from the mountains. So if you want to go up to the mountains, stay in a cabin, go whitewater rafting or, 
yeah, you know, whatever you, hiking, uh, you know, that's kind of a big thing going up to the mountains is like only two hours away, or you can go the other direction two and a half hours away and you're at the beach, uh, you know, going down to Myrtle beach down in South Carolina and things like that. So, you know, that's a, that's a good location. And then you got the big city feel, um, you know, there, there's, uh, the white water centers here, you know, a lot of, a lot of outdoor activity, um, you know, in the restaurant scene, you know, before COVID-19 was just booming everywhere places to go at night, you know, the nightlife was great. Um, so, I mean, it's a real exciting place to be. And, and one thing I really like about it is every part of Charlotte, um, you know, kind of like, uh, even like New York City, you know, has its own like pockets of, um, uh, you know, just kind of the, the vibe and the feel, uh, you know, you, you have Plaza Midwood, that's real kind of trendy. And, um, you know, a lot of the 20 year olds and 30 year olds like to go there to hang out. Um, a lot of breweries around Charlotte, you know, you, you just name it, there's something to do, a um, lot of activity. So. Brilliant, love it. Yeah, no, I, I can I can vouch for all of that. Um, I'm trying to convince my wife to move down there, but she's uh, she's more of a city lady. But yeah. I'm, I'm, ho I'm hopeful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so give me an idea now, Rad, what is the plans for the next five to 10 years? Um, obviously, post-COVID, coming out of this, there's gonna be a construction tsunami. Do you see you guys a target in a specific sector, trying to get in with, 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 with certain uh, developers? What's the plans? Yeah, so I think for us, you know, again, uh, since we started in 2015, uh, we, we've really been building up our portfolio of work. And uh, at this moment, we're trying to get to that next level where, you know, in our background, we, uh, in my background and also the owner's background, um, we, we have a lot of really large scale projects that we used to do. Um, and, you know, starting out with a, um, you know, a firm, it's hard to get uh, back up to that level. You know, you have to kind of work your way back up. Uh, so I think our, our next big thing is really, you know, we're in the hospitality market now and we're looking to um, get to that next level uh, hotel, you know, where we're doing like, you know, high rise hotels or even, you know, mixed use uh, type of uh, projects that are multi-story. Uh, you know, right now we've got a lot of four story projects that are out there and um, we'd like to get to that next level where, you know, like Matt Ragona, the owner, he worked on that epicenter and it's got, um, you know, three or four floors of retail and then hotels above it. And, you know, th that's kind of the level we eventually want to get to. Um, but, you know, we're, we're real focused again, still uh, keeping in that mixed use retail uh, hospitality. Uh, one thing that we see a lot is we help out clients with, um, you know, the, you hear about retail and you think about malls all around the United States and, you know, people still own those malls, you know, landlords still own those projects. And, uh, you know, you hear about the retailers uh, downsizing or moving out. Uh, so we got to repurpose those, pro you know, those type of buildings. So we're real involved with coming up with other ideas of what to do in those type of spaces, how to redivide them, uh, even in shopping centers around the United States, you know, how do we re repurpose a lot of these buildings? And I think that's going to come a lot with even out of COVID-19 is uh, now that everyone's more uh, comfortable working from home, you know, I'm not sure how all the office spaces that are around uh, all these cities, you know, are we going to have to start thinking about repurposing um, a lot of those type of spaces as well? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be, yeah, yeah, or, uh, and it, listen, it's, it's probably, you're, you're probably right. If you come up with an innovative design or architecture firm that, 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 that comes up with a good idea, because I mean, you're talking about a lot of, a lot of city centers there. I mean, it's not a case of one or two industries. That's, that's the city centers, malls and, and office space and apartment buildings. So it's an exciting space. And if you can get your, 
your your niche or your name in there and, and recognized as as repurposing then you, you've got a you've got a nice little uh nice little runner i would say yeah yeah definitely good man all right jeremy well listen thank you very much for coming on really appreciate it i know our listeners will be i'll be delighted to hear the architecture view when it comes to the three-legged stool and, and what's happening at rad and in charlotte so thanks for coming on yeah well thanks for having me good man thanks jeremy all right appreciate it Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed the chat with Jeremy. It's interesting to hear how the architects see future technology advances, and in particular, how BIM essentially allows architects to do what they do best, and that's deliver great design options for their client. As always, folks, please like, share, and comment on this episode. I am excited to announce that we will be delivering more topic-specific content in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. Thank you.